This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. No matter how you co-mingle your money in your relationship, know that your situation is unique and it may differ from other couples out there. And that's okay. There's no one right way to manage your money in marriage. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do three different things. First, I'm going to review the pros and cons of joint bank accounts when it comes to marriage. Second, we're back with our Be The Change segment. This month, we're going to be featuring New Wave Foundation. This is a nonprofit dedicated to improving financial literacy in our country. Founder Sharifa Muniz will be joining us to share how New Wave Foundation is helping young adults build wealthy mindsets as they shoot off into adulthood. And last but not least, we're back with another money quiz. My daughter Zoe is going to be reading the review of the month, but before that, I'm going to be quizzing her on some money questions. We're going to test her knowledge, hopefully build a little bit of that generational wealth knowledge. You know what I'm talking about, people? And hopefully you can play along too. All right, let's jump into today's show. Few topics leave people in the personal finance community more divided than the subject of joint bank accounts. Do you keep your finances separate in marriage or do you merge everything? Maybe it's best to do a combination. Well, in this episode, we're going to take a deep dive into the joint bank account pros and cons. We're going to look at these benefits and look at the drawbacks and it's going to help you Use these benefits and drawbacks to help you make the money moves that are right for you and your partner. After all, the goal isn't to duplicate another couple's exact money moves. Instead, you want to build the financial plan that's right for your relationship. First things first, what is a joint bank account? Well, joint bank accounts are accounts that are shared between two individuals, typically These joint accounts will be savings accounts or checking accounts. That way, both people can use the account to cover expenses, pay bills, or save for certain financial goals. Now, a joint checking account works the same way as an individual checking account. You can write checks, you can make purchases with a debit card, but in a joint checking account, both people on the account should be able to access the funds with checks, a debit card, and make deposits or withdrawals. You can also set up direct deposit for both people's paychecks. And with a joint savings account, that works similarly. And it makes sense to use this type of account for setting joint, short-term, and medium-term goals in a relationship. Now that we know what a joint bank account is, let's get into the pros and the cons. Let's start with the pros. Number one, transparency. 
financial transparency can be difficult to achieve and maintain if you and your partner only have separate accounts. Of course, there are other ways to share your financial progress with each other, conversations, get-togethers, but there's no denying that joint accounts make financial transparency incredibly easy to achieve. Since both partners have access to joint accounts at all times, there's no guessing at account balances or what's been spent or what's been saved. Number two, simplicity. By working from a shared account, you and your partner are on the same page, uh, quite literally. <laughs> when you have money meetings or budget reviews or budget parties, whatever you like to call it, the process is often streamlined. While it's certainly not impossible to have money dates if you and your partner only have separate accounts, it's just going to add a few more steps to each budgeting review session. Number three, goal setting. In addition to streamlining the money date process, joint accounts make it easier to set goals and monitor your progress toward those goals. You can quickly spot overspending, allowing you to both course correct mid-month instead of waiting for a surprise at your budget review. When you have a month where you're both kicking your savings into overdrive, you can celebrate sooner. Number four, cost savings. Combined finances result in higher account balances. This makes it easier to meet minimum balance requirements or other thresholds or activity requirements when it comes to banks. Doing so can give you access to premium accounts and help you dodge maintenance and activity fees. Number five, meet your goals sooner. Many couples say that their favorite part about joint accounts is the motivation that they offer. Your balance is higher than with separate accounts. That makes sense. Whether you're chasing your first comma or looking to join the double comma club, a joint account can certainly ramp up the motivation. All right, let's jump over to the drawbacks or the cons, as they say, to joint bank accounts. Con number one, joint responsibility. Joint accounts come with joint access and joint responsibility. If one person in your relationship is the saver and the other one is the spender, it's important to remember that the joint accounts, they grant equal access. Either individual can access the money at any time. If an account goes into overdraft, both people are responsible for the fees. Joint accounts can also be seized by the government. If this is a second marriage for either partner and one of you owes spousal support or child support, a joint account can be tapped to cover those expenses. Number two, lack of privacy. I would never advise you to hide anything significant from your partner. In fact, I believe financial transparency is one of the keys to making your relationship work. However, it's worth noting that it is much harder to hide birthday gifts and Valentine's Day presents if you and your partner only use joint accounts. Con number three, life stages. Another consideration to make when weighing the pros and cons of joint bank accounts is where you and your partner are in your life right now. A couple who's just starting out with a small net worth may have a much simpler time combining most or all of their finances. However, if you and your partner set up multiple financial accounts and built a more significant net worth before you met, it might also make sense to keep some of those accounts separate. Number four, unexpected complications. Even with a prenuptial agreement, 
It's never fun to try to separate assets in the event of a breakup. But if you and your partner open a joint account before you're married, it can be complicated to separate out your money if the relationship ends before you tie the knot. Number five, financial abuse. While we certainly hope all couples in our marriage, kids, and money community are in healthy relationships, it's important that none of us turn a blind eye to the realities of financial abuse. When people combine every penny, it can make leaving an abusive situation virtually impossible. Number six, retirement account rules. Not every account should or even can be a joint account. For instance, an IRA, a individual, see that I part, individual retirement arrangement or Roth IRA, these are individual. While you can certainly identify a beneficiary, you cannot create a joint account. This is also true for workplace retirement accounts. So while managing joint checking and savings accounts can certainly make things easier in your relationship, you're ultimately also likely to manage some separate accounts in your relationship. So now that you've heard my pros and my cons of joint bank accounts, let's share some viewpoints from other money pros out there. On this show, we've asked many different money and relationship experts their thoughts on combining finances. Some money experts like Rachel Cruz view joint accounts really favorably. In fact, Cruz says that a joint bank account signifies unity in a marriage. Here's Rachel Cruz. So when you combine your finances, you're not losing your identity, but you are saying, yeah, I trust you enough as my spouse that we're going to work together as a team. And vice versa, that your spouse needs to look at you and say, yeah, I trust you enough that we are going to work together as a team. And the moment you can't trust the money going on, again, there are other things down there that you have got to dig out as a married couple. And then other relationship experts, they don't take a firm stance. Instead, they try to address the source of money conflict in the first place. Virginia-based psychiatrist Dr. Laura Dabney works with couples to help them navigate difficult money conversations. She argues that joint accounts can be very helpful, especially in terms of transparency. But the bigger issue is teaching couples how to talk about money on both intellectual and emotional levels. Here's Dr. Dabney. So if you start with the feeling, if you can get comfortable with the feeling and say, I really get anxious when you make a big purchase, that person's going to want to soothe your pain. The person's not going to want to not buy a boat because you've declared it's wrong. It's because there's nothing wrong with it. But they're going to want to help you if you talk about your pain because they love you. Adam Cole, a couple's financial counselor, also believes that it is essential for couples to proactively address money issues together. In fact, he believes that couples can stop money fights before they start. While he doesn't necessarily prefer joint bank accounts, he says that it's key for couples to be realistic, set a budget together, and work toward their financial goals as a team. Joint bank accounts can certainly help facilitate some of that work. Here's Adam Cole. If this is a person that you want to be with, then that's why this matters, right? So keep that in mind. Have your commitment to them at the forefront and feel free to say that. I mean, sometimes I'll have clients just say, you know, money's been kind of stressful for me and I'm sorry, I, I've waited to bring it up. I should have brought it up sooner, but I really care about the future of our relationship and I love you. And I think that this could make our life easier if we got on the same page. So, you know, when's a good time to talk about it? 
So in the end, my friends, like most all marriage and money conversations, there are pros and there are cons. Perhaps you want to use one joint account for all your finances, or maybe you want to use a combination of separate and joint accounts. Personally, Nicole and I do the joint account thing, but we have separate budget line items for things that matter to us individually, like dinners out with the ladies and haircuts and coloring for Nicole, and then line Lions games, football tickets, and board game night funds for me. And we both also have our own separate fun money categories for kind of whatever else we want to spend on. No questions asked. Again, that's just us. No matter how you commingle your money in your relationship, know that your situation is unique and it may differ from other couples out there. And that's okay. There's no one right way to manage your money in marriage. Well, enough for me, everyone. I want to hear from you. What do you think about these joint bank account pros and cons? Which way are you going in your marriage? Please let us know by sharing this episode on social media and tagging me on Instagram or Facebook at Marriage Kids and Money or at Andy Hill MKM on LinkedIn or Twitter. I would love to keep this conversation going, especially since it's kind of spicy and people have a lot of hot takes on it. <laughs> Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello.
For our Be The Change segment this month, we are featuring New Wave Foundation, a nonprofit organization whose mission is focused on inspiring the next generation of dreamers by creating opportunities for educational equality. I've invited the founder and executive director of New Wave Foundation, Sharifa Muniz. We're going to discuss the importance of a learning financial literacy at a young age and what New Wave Foundation is doing to help. Welcome to the show, Sharifa. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. Absolutely. Well, it's great to have you here and talk about this important conversation because I am all about financial literacy. Can you talk to us about what is the state of financial literacy in our country? You know, to be quite candid, when it comes to financial literacy, a lot of us learn the hard way. It's a situation whereby it's not really taught in schools. And when it is taught in schools, it's not taught generally in a manner that is action-oriented in terms of when you are in that live situation. So many of our kids go off into college and if they're anything like me, signing on for credit cards and thinking like, you know, you're getting free money and realizing after you graduate that, whoa, my credit is messed up. Now starting in a place where you're digging yourself out of a hole. So here at the New Way Foundation, we're trying to get in front of that. I love that mission. So talk to us about what happens to a young adult that doesn't get the proper financial education that maybe walks into that credit card storm. What does life look like after that for young adults in America? I can tell you from my experience, and I'm sure others can relate, and I don't think it's going to be too different now from during my time. But I remember, you know, 17, 18 years old, you know, being flooded with credit card offers and feeling really special. I signed up, but didn't really understand the importance of paying it back on time and not maxing out your credit. And when I graduated, I remember trying to finance my first car and being told I needed to get a cosigner because my credit wasn't up to par. And I didn't even understand what credit was. I didn't even re- realize what's a credit score. What, what, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Luckily, I had a family member who was able to co-sign with me to be able to allow me to get that vehicle. But that was really my first foray into the implications of some of the financial decisions that we make even early on in life. And thankfully, I was able to go ahead and build my credit back up. It's not something that a lot of people want to be dealing with all these big, gigantic adult problems right when they start their lives, but they are quick and they're fast and they've got the legal fine print to make sure that you're stuck with that deal. So yeah, I'm sure that was a formative experience for you and probably influenced maybe part of the reason you started New Wave Foundation. Am I correct? Yes. Well, I will say education is something I am very, very passionate about. And it's something that was really instilled in me from my dad, who was just very passionate about education. I mean, I grew up in that household where if you were under the weather, you know, trust me, dad loved me, loved all of us, but it was kind of like, oh my goodness, we have to get your homework. And then it was like, oh, shoot, Let's see about taking you to the doctor (laughs) to see if you're okay. But he was really, really passionate about you going to school, getting an education and all that came with that. 
And after I lost him about 11 years ago, it really came full circle, you know, that whole concept of legacy and wanting to keep his legacy of education going, being the first in his family to go to college and himself and my mom and passing that on to my siblings and I, I knew it was something that I couldn't take for granted. I knew it was a gift that I have. And it was one thing, you know, to pass it on to my children, but also to, to this next generation as well. And so when we evolved in terms of starting the New Way Foundation, our focus was really on, you know, getting kids what they needed to be equipped in terms of getting that education, higher education. But over the past couple of years, that the concept of education has really evolved into so many facets to include financial literacy education as a part of that, especially as we equip our kids to start the adulting life, right? The whole concept of hashtag adulting and for it to not hopefully just hit them hard in the face, but for them to be kind of eased into that. I love your family legacy story. Thank you very much for sharing that because I think that is beautiful and very much the the theme of what we're trying to talk about on this show. I think that's beautiful. Talk to us about the specifics, the curriculum, how you guys are putting things forward with New Wave Foundation. Okay, so we are currently right now, as we speak, finalizing the age-appropriate financial literacy curriculum that we're working on. Hopefully, it should be launched this fall, where we are going to be piloting it in D.C. and in Maryland. And I think what is really unique about our financial literacy curriculum, because there's a ton out there, right? But what I think really sets ours apart is we are meeting our kids where they are in terms of their life's trajectory. So from a financial perspective, we're going to be figuring out, hey, do you plan to go to college? If college is the route you you plan to go to, Here are the considerations you need to focus on, whether it's, you know, getting a scholarship, a grant, you know, will you need to get a loan to go to college? What about accommodation and, you know, how much you're going to have to budget for food and all that goes with that? For the person who does not feel like college is the route that they want to take, you might have a person saying, hey, I want to take a gap year and figure out where I want to go in life. What does that mean? What if the person who says, you know what, I want to go to trade school, I want to do an apprenticeship, right? You have others who say, you know what, I just want to start making money right away. I want to join the workforce right from the jump. You have other folks who want to join the armed forces. So the, the, the trajectory in terms of that decision when you're coming out of high school, are numerous. So when we are talking about a financial literacy curriculum, we're not keeping it just on a high level, but we are actually focusing in on the trajectory that the kids are planning on taking and then bringing the literacy based on that trajectory. I think that's beautiful. And it hits them right where they're making that crucial decision point in their lives. Because I think a lot of us, including myself, just said, well, college, that's what my brother did. Why don't I just go to that college too? When maybe that wasn't the best decision or really having some guidance at that point to make the best decision for myself. So do you do that through individual counseling, through courses? How does that connection happen? All right. So what we are doing right now is we are partnering with other nonprofits and we are also partnering with local organizations like financial institutions to kind of bring this to the kids. So we are going to be partnering through those organizations with 
schools. So we are going to be looking, I think for our pilot program, we do have a bunch of teenage kids that go to a lot of the different schools who are going to be working with that organization for, let's say, one of the organizations we work with, like it's college bound. So they're working with kids who want to go to college and want to get prepared for college. So those kids are coming from different school backgrounds. So we're going to work with them. It's going to be a six to eight week program, whereby we are going to start with doing a diagnostic of where they are, what the baseline is, what trajectory that they have. And then through that, it's going to be a hybrid approach, both virtually as well as we also have the in-person facilitation as well. There's going to be a project involved so that by the end of the program, you will actually have a plan, your personalized financial plan based on the trajectory that you are looking at heading into. So we are trying to meet people where they are and they're going to be, you know, kids or school systems or organizations that prefer the virtual format. There are others who prefer an in-person format, but the way the program is slated, it can go either way or a hybrid of both. I think that's beautiful, Sharifa. So let's look maybe five years down the road. What does success look like for you with New Wave Foundation? If you said, wow, we hit that mark, that feels pretty great for me. Success keeps evolving for me. Five years seems like (laughs) such a long time. I will say that our first initial goal, especially here within the DMV, is to be able to get this curriculum out to at least a thousand kids. And then beyond that, I would like to scale that to 10,000 and then beyond. My hope would be what we're starting here within the DMV is something that can be replicated in other counties and cities around the country through other like-minded organizations looking to put that kind of curriculum out in the schools or through their organizations. So I think that would be very successful to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Connecting and helping a thousand kids and then replicating your formula across the country. That sounds like success to me, especially with this crucial moment where kids are making this decision on what their future looks like and potentially making a huge financial choice on that decision. So if somebody's listening right now and they are inspired by your work, how could they give their time, their voice, their money to support your organization? Please tell us. Wow, listen, we're always looking for volunteers. Please, you can hit us up online at newwave-foundation.org or find us on social at nwfoundation underscore. And whatever the skill set is that you have, we will find a way to use it, whether it's grant writing, whether it is even writing blogs, whether it is like right now, we are actually looking for volunteers at the moment because guess what? It's scholarship season and we've got a ton of essays to review and narrow down to, you know, pick our scholarship recipients. So if you're open to reading some heartwarming stories and helping us select some individuals who can go on to make a difference and an impact in their communities through getting a higher learning of education. Hit us up. I love it. I love it. Sharifa, I'm going to put your information in our show notes for everybody to connect with you. Thank you so much for your time today and for dedicating your life to this important mission. Thank you. Thank you so much, Andy, for having me. I really appreciate that. As 
a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Now, to keep this show running and to help your buddy Andy smile, I would like to ask you a quick favor. If you like the show, if you enjoy listening to it, if you actually learned something or you appreciated it or maybe laughed for a moment or two, please leave us a positive rating and review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That type of feedback helps more people find and consider this show. So to encourage you to leave a review, each month we do a book giveaway. So we received five reviews since our last book giveaway offer this quarter. As a reminder, everybody, we're going to be giving away three different book options from past podcast guests. Everybody Fights, So Why Not Get Better At It by Kim and Penn Holderness, Things That Matter by Joshua Becker, and It's Not About the Money by Scarlett Cochran. And to help me pick the winner this week, I've got my daughter, Zoe Hill. What's up? What's up? Once again, because she's so cool and I love having her every month. How are you doing, babe? Good. Awesome. Well, I know you're busy. We got a lot of Murder Mystery 2 Roblox to get down, right? So let's get this done. But before we do that review, let's do another money quiz. Question number one. Zoe, you recently bought an iPhone from the store, and I'm so proud of you for saving up your money and buying it with cash. I know. That's incredible. You saved up your money for years to do that. So very cool. I've got a quiz for you, a question here. In 2022, last year, Apple made $394 billion. Oh my gosh. Which product or service made them the most money? Is it A, the iPhone, B, the MacBook computer, or C, Apple TV? I'll have to go with the iPhone. The iPhone is correct. 50, more than 50% of their sales come from the iPhone. That's, what is that, half of that number? What is, I don't know what that is. That's a lot of money. Anyway, more than half of that revenue of that $394 billion comes from the sales of iPhones, just like you bought with your money. That's why they're doing so well. Question number two. Credit card debt, Zoe, it can be really, really bad. I want you to avoid this your entire life, okay? Remember, remember, look at your dad right now. And avoid credit card debt for your entire life. You know why? Because it can cause stress, it can cause anxiety, and it can cause depression. Right now, people living in our country, Zoe, we have the highest credit card debt total ever oh recorded by the New York Federal Reserve, ever. How much credit card debt is in our country right now? Is it A, around $1 million? Is it B, around $1 billion? Or is it C, around $1 trillion? $1 trillion. $1 trillion. You got it correct. That's correct. $1 trillion. Zoe, that's a lot of money for people to owe for stuff that they can't afford. It's tough for a lot of people. You know, some people are racking up the credit card debt because food prices are really high. A lot of it is just we're buying stuff that uh, we don't need and we can't afford. So question number three. Four-day weekend starts tomorrow. Let's go. Let's go. Right? A break from school, a break from homework. I think it's important to relax, don't you? Yeah. According to Yale University Research, they agree with you that relaxing is good. What benefits come from relaxing, Zoe? Is it A, it helps you avoid stress and depression? B, it helps your heart stay healthy? 
Or C, it improves your brain function and your memory. Or is it D, all of the above? Oh, it's D, all of the above. You are correct. (laughs) It helps you avoid stress. It helps your heart be healthy. And it improves your brain function and memory, everybody. Make sure you take some time to relax, my friends. Zoe, let's do that review. We got five reviews since last month's book giveaway offer. Can you ask our electronic friend to support us? Crank up that volume. Hey, Google, pick a number between one and five. Here's a random number. Three. All right. Wow, 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 wow. Our third review comes in from Andrea LB, and she leaves the title Paid Off House. Zoe, want to read this review here? Paid Off House. What a great episode and such an inspiration. This gives me motivation to continue on the journey for a paid off house. Keep up the good work. Andrea from Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. We like people from Michigan. Yeah, Andrea. Thank you very much for leaving that review. And Zoe, Excellent reading as always. Thank you. Andrea from Michigan. I don't have your email. You're going to have to email me and take a screenshot of this review and shoot it over to Andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com. That way we can send you one of our great books that we talked about earlier. And everyone, if you want to be a part of this book giveaway offer and maybe have the Zoe read your name and your review, please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts and take a screenshot and shoot us an email at Andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com. Or if you don't have Apple Podcasts, you can do that rating on on Spotify. Screenshot that too. Send it over to us. And you're supporting the show. You're supporting Zoe and her financial literacy. Zoe, thank you so much for being here. I want, I know you want to get back to that Roblox, so I'm going to let you do it. (laughs) Thank you. Happy May to you all. This month's lineup is going to be sure to help you build family wealth and happiness. I just know it. May 8th, next Monday, we got decluttering and organization expert Tracy McCubbin. She's going to join us to share how we can magnetize free time. Yeah, doesn't that sound nice? Free time. The Monday after that, we've got Jade Warshaw from the Ramsey Solutions team. She's going to share how she became debt-free and paid off nearly a half a million dollars of debt with her husband. And then the Monday after that, we've got James and Emily Lowry. They are a young couple who are traveling the world and they're funding that lifestyle by managing Airbnbs remotely, working probably about an hour a week, I think James said, and uh, they're making about $10,000 per month. So yeah, that's pretty inspiring. (laughs) It's going to be a great month, everybody. The Marriage, Kids, and Money platform continues to grow month after month. And I want to thank you for that. Thank you for supporting this small family business and helping us get this good word out there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Unknown. Love your spouse more than you love your career, hobbies, and money. The other stuff just can't love you back. Let's work to align our priorities so we can build wealth and happiness for our families, everyone. Carpe diem. 